0: Howdy. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to pray. I pray that you, Father, would pour your love into our hearts um, this morning, just as Stuart has just prayed. Um, But we need you so badly, and I pray that as a church we would love you, um, that during these gatherings we'd be drawn radically close to you, as a community, and that we would radically love the wider community around us as a result. Uh, We pray that you would, through my teaching this morning, uh, show us Jesus. Show us Jesus, Father, and uh, we pray that, uh, that I would speak in a way where we all can see him, that I submit my mind and my heart and my words to you, and I know that Your spirit needs to preach through me so that we see Jesus. And so guard my lips and guard our hearts in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, Last week we looked at uh, the first day that Jesus had with his disciples, Mark chapter 1, 21 to 39, and we talked about a day in the life of Jesus. So this is the first day he has with his disciples in Mark's gospel. And it happened at Capernaum, which is Jesus' home base for the three years of his public ministry. And we saw Jesus in the synagogue. Uh, That's the synagogue, or that's built on the original synagogue. And then we saw Jesus at home. We believe he was staying with Peter for those three years. And there's archaeological evidence that Peter's home is under the church that now has been built on top of it. Uh, So this is the scene of Jesus' life, uh, the centre of his life. We talked about the homes being about 60 people and four dwellings around a courtyard and and how Jesus uh, ministered there. And then we talked about, thirdly, Jesus going up into the wilderness to pray by himself. So these three zones of his ministry, we talked about what that means for us, the public gathering of God's people, home life, and then we talked about going away to the wilderness to pray. Yeah, so that was really cool. Well, I thought it was. Uh, Now, um, this is our last section in Mark chapter 1 today. So, let's look at this. Um, Jesus heals a leper, and it's verses 40 to 45. Baptism next Sunday really is a response to this first section we've done on Mark. So... Yeah, let's, if you haven't been symbolically cleansed through the waters of baptism, uh, an implication of what we've been looking at in Mark is that you would do that and do that publicly as a declaration of your faith. So really encourage you to do that. We can take the slide off now. Yeah, so Jesus has been healing the demon-possessed and the sick and now he heals a leper. Uh, We're going to look at four headings, the, the leper's plight. Secondly, what the leper does. Thirdly, Jesus' response. And fourthly, Jesus' plight. So in verse 40, Jesus encounters a leper. What is the leper's plight? Well, a man, this man has leprosy. Now, in the context of the Bible, leprosy encompassed a huge variety of chronic skin diseases. This disease was nasty. Um, There was all this superstition and fear surrounding lepers. Lepers were regarded as like zombies, you know. I mean, if zombies were real, just letting you know they're not, but if they were, all the superstition and fear we would have around zombies is what lepers encountered. Uh, Imagine there were a group of zombies in the Blue Mountains. We would be afraid of them, would we not? And all kinds of stories would be circulating about them. That's what it was like in the first century. In fact, first century uh, uh, century historian Josephus says, at the time of Jesus, lepers were treated as the living dead, you know, as zombies, as living corpses. And that was the reality of the leper, Now, this is partly why the law of Moses, the law of Israel, back in Leviticus chapter 13, says that a leper must wear torn clothes, must rip his clothes apart and let his hair be unkempt and cover the lower part of the face and cry out, unclean, unclean. And as long as they have the disease, they remain unclean and must live alone and they must live outside the camp. It's like the start of a horror movie. I don't bet about you, but this is kind of the stuff of my nightmares. The one nightmare that I repeatedly have had is this kind of thing. This is what leprosy was like. Fortunately, we have modern treatments that stop the development of leprosy or slow it radically. Uh, Leprosy is a contagious skin disease and horrible to look at. It usually starts on the brow uh, or the nose uh, and then it spreads from there. One of the early signs is the eyebrows and eyelashes fall out and um, a tumorous swelling kind of grows normally around the nose and then that spreads to the body. And it's not just skin deep, it gets right into your nervous system even down into your bones, uh, bones shrivel, and your extremities, like fingers and toes, um, kind of get reabsorbed into the body. And because of the loss of feeling, uh, because the nervous system is broken down, uh, lepers injure their fingers and toes and break them off, and, and so their kind of limbs sort of wear away with disuse because they don't feel anything. Uh, and um, kind of get worn off, and also can destroy your eyes, uh, cause blindness, penetrate the teeth even, and the teeth will fall out, and it would last like 10 or 30 years, and the victim would eventually die uh, because the victim had no resistance to any other diseases. All that to say, leprosy wasn 't just a disease, it was a sentence. It wasn 't just a disease, it was a sentence. And, uh, you know, they weren't just sick. They were unclean, which is like the worst category that, that a Jew could have, to be unclean. And no one could go near you. Um, it was contagious. You could get the disease through touching a leper, even just touching the leper's clothes or inhaling the, the Bactillus. So, the purpose of the law of Moses in Leviticus 13 was to protect the health of the community of God from infection. But this left the leper as a victim of far more than skin falling off or fingers wearing away. It was just so much more than that because you lost your name, you lost your occupation, you lost your family. And you lost um, the capacity to be in the worshipping community. You know, you were cut off from God. And you were an outcast. And, and they had to live in isolated places if they had leprosy. And you weren't allowed to come into the city of Jerusalem. You were barred. And you, you couldn't enter any city with a wall. And you, if you entered a synagogue, they would reject you and and send you to this small holding room and they deal with you later. You couldn't even be in the synagogue. And if ever you did show up in public, you would have to make a huge scene. It was the law. You had to yell out, unclean, unclean, as loud as you could when you walked down the street so that nobody would touch you. Imagine a leper walking through a town yelling, unclean. The kids are just running away terrified, so afraid. People clearing the way. Nobody wants to get anywhere near you. And a leper could not touch anyone. Think about that human touch, absolutely gone. Imagine not being able to touch your wife. Imagine not being able to touch your husband. Or hold your kids or smell their beautiful skin. Or hug your mum. Or well, shake, even shake someone's hand. You couldn't do it. Physi- zero fi- physical contact. No human touch or affection. So that's the plight of the leper. And what a kind of a metaphor for our, our life in the world uh, without God. Cut off from him. Isolated, Alienated Great pain and suffering that the whole world is under. And this leper is an acute example of that, but he's a he's a symbol of all of us, really. All right, secondly, look at what the leper does. And this is kind of a model. He's one of the eleven supplicants in Mark's gospel. The supplicants are people who give us a glimpse into what true faith is, and you've got Blind Bartimaeus, you've, you've got um, the man whose 12-year-old girl dies, you've got the woman with the flow of blood, you've got all these people, the, the Syrophoenician woman, you've got all these people in Mark's Gospel, 11 of them that give us a glimpse into what true faith is all about. And what does this man do? Well, he breaks every law and custom in his desperation. He's desperate. He violates all necessary standards of exclusion. He must have heard that Jesus has power to heal. Um, And I mean, he's cast out demons, he's healed the sick. I guess this leper is thinking, well, why can't he heal a leper? That hasn't happened yet in the story. But I think this leper goes, well, if he can heal that, those people, he could heal me. And so he says, I'm going to risk everything, break all the laws and come to Jesus. And he comes and he falls down before Jesus, begging him, pleading with him. And the language is very strong here, and in Matthew and Luke's Gospel, it's very strong as well. Uh, But this man is showing his desperation before Jesus. He's willing to risk the shame, the disdain, the rejection, the embarrassment, um, and to go somewhere that he is not supposed to go. That's how desperate he is. But also it says how confident he is that Jesus can heal him and that Jesus will be open to his pleas. Um, so he's there. He's on his knees. He's begging Jesus, make me clean. If you are willing, you can make me clean. He has no doubt of Jesus' power the only thing he doesn't know is whether Jesus is willing to do it. And that's humility and faith. That's, he acknowledges, look, it's Jesus' decision. He can't twist Jesus' arm. He's got no claim over Jesus. Uh, he knows he's an outcast. He knows he's despicable. He knows people despise him. He knows people view him as accursed by God. So he comes just with humility and faith well aware of his wretchedness, well aware that he bears the stigma of being a sinner. He knows that he has absolutely no claim on Jesus. He just comes and kneels and beseeches and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Luke says he put his face to the ground. He prostrates himself before Jesus. Jesus. If you are willing, you can make me clean. That's the cry that we all need to come to Jesus with. Um, Well, thirdly, what is Jesus' response? Now, it's important to realise Jesus healed many people who didn't believe in him, um, who didn't bow before him in humility and faith, or at least that's what I see in the Gospels. Um, He healed all kinds of people. Many people um, didn't believe in him. Like some of the demoniacs, uh, they were being controlled by demons and those demons did not want to be expelled and yet Jesus heals them. So Jesus' healing doesn't necessarily depend on the person's faith, although Jesus often points to the importance of faith. But Jesus is not limited by having faith or not having faith or how much faith or too little faith and in the sense of, oh, if you just had a little bit more faith, maybe then he'd heal you. No, he's not limited by you. It's a sim- this is what the leper sees. It's a simple act of his will. He gets to decide and he will decide or he will not decide. Um, I think that's what we're seeing here. And the the reason we're given here for Jesus healing this man is not his faith particularly, but rather it's Jesus' compassion. There's something different going on here in this story. And that's what we're told in verse 41. Jesus is indignant. And that's kind of, we could translate that, was moved with compassion. He was indignant. He was angry. What? How is that compassion? Well, he's angry at, situation that this man is in. He sees the horror of this man's life. He's moved by that. That makes him angry at what has happened to this man. So it's just just an aspect of compassion. He's moved by this man's pain. Uh, He feels the agony of this man's situation. This man's isolation, this man's physical isolation, his social isolation, and his religious isolation—he's churned up by this man's situation. Later in Mark chapter six, verse thirty-three, Jesus goes by boat across the Sea of Galilee. Five thousand men see him heading across the Sea of Galilee, and they run around the top of the Sea of Galilee and get there before Jesus. 5,000 men run and he lands, gets out of the boat. He sees this massive crowd and he's moved with compassion. He sees their desperation. He says they are like sheep without a shepherd. This is Jesus. He is constantly moved with compassion. He's churned up by the situation of this world and what we suffer and what sin has done. And Jesus reaches out his hand and touches this leper. This leper who has not felt touch or human compassion for years. Jesus looks at him with compassion and touches him. You don't touch lepers. You're not supposed to touch lepers. You're not allowed to touch lepers. It's socially unacceptable. It's against the law. But Jesus reaches out and touches him. And Jesus didn't have to touch this man. Jesus can heal with a word. Jesus can heal like with a twinkle of his nose if he wants to. He can heal with a thought. He can heal with a wave of his hand. Jesus can heal any way he wants to heal. But he chooses in this case to heal by touching this man. This leper thought he only needed to be cleansed, but Jesus knew that he needed to be touched. His disease was more than skin deep. There was something he needed relationally to happen. And Jesus reaches out and touches him. I am willing. Be clean. So his touch is the touch of compassion, but it's the touch also of just connection. He wants to connect with this man and identify with this man and show his love for this man. Mark mentions this a lot. Mark mentions that Jesus touches people. Quite often he mentions it 12 times in Mark's Gospel that Jesus touches people in that very significant way or allows somebody to touch him in a very significant way. And Jesus loved to give people the touch of compassion, the touch of tenderness, the touch of kindness, especially people who nobody else would touch, that people regarded as untouchable. Jesus reached out and touched them. And Jesus reaches out, touches this man, I am willing, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. The law of Moses said uh, that no one was allowed to touch a leper. Leviticus 5 verse 3. But Jesus is in a different category. He can't be defiled by anyone. He can't be contaminated by any disease. Is that right? There's no record in the scriptures, that Jesus ever had an illness or a disease. No record that he had a cold, a runny nose, a sneeze, an infection. There's no record that any affliction came onto his sinless body. You're probably thinking, but he died. (laughs) Yes, but nothing killed him. He only died because he gave his life voluntarily he gave up his spirit on the cross John 10:8 says no one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord and when Jesus touched a leper instead of Jesus being contaminated the leper is made clean the power of Jesus holiness is extraordinary you have just get this in, our, in your heart and mind. His holy person touches someone and immediately they are cleansed. Such is the power of his holiness. And Jesus touched the man, I am willing to be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, he was cleansed. And Mark uses his favourite word here, (laughs) immediately. (laughs) Immediately, right then, at that moment, all of a sudden, on the spot, this man is healed. No techniques, no process. Instantly, completely healed. Jesus' miracles were creative acts. Today we do have medication that can stop the disease or hold it in check, but we have nothing that can restore what leprosy has eaten away. Nothing. But Jesus, in one moment, completely restores. The eyes that might have sunken, even fallen out, would have reappeared immediately and he would have been able to see through that eye Teeth reconfigured. Um, If the forehead and skin had worn away, immediate restoration. Eyebrows and eyelashes, if they were gone, immediately they were there again. Wow. This is the son of God. And the leper was not only well in this instant, he was fit. (laughs) If you've had leprosy for years and years... The destruction to your system is pretty massive. Internal organs, internal bleeding, our nervous system breakdown meant that it would take months and months, probably years and years of recovery. But this man is immediately able to go all the way to Jerusalem and report to the priests, Because Jesus says, verse 43... Go away at once, Uh, and he gives this man a strong warning. See that you, don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So he says to the man, where are the priests? They're in Jerusalem. It's the on-duty priests in the temple at Jerusalem that Jesus is talking about. That's a 160k walk. That's 34. Five hours of walking and Jesus says go straight away so I take from that that this man is not only well he's restored in his fitness and able to do that so Jesus warns this man don't tell anybody about this go straight to the priests to get a clean bill of health the guy does the exact reverse <laughs> he tells everyone he tells everyone about this what Jesus did for him. Now, in Mark's gospel, Jesus often silences people. So, this is still part of Jesus' response to this man. He tells him not to tell anybody. Back in chapter 1, verse 34, Mark says, He would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. He didn't want publicity from demons. And now he's silencing not only demons, but people who have been healed. And this becomes a pattern. Don't tell anybody anything about what I have done. (laughs) Chapter 3, verse 12. After healing many people with diseases and impure spirits, he gave them strict orders to not tell others about him. Chapter 5, verse 43. After raising the 12-year-old girl from the dead, he gave them strict orders not to let anyone know about this. Chapter 7, verse 36. After healing the deaf man... He commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. Chapter 8, verse 25, he heals a blind man, then sends him home saying, don't even go into the village. What's this about? In Mark 1, Jesus doesn't give this leper any explanation. He just says, go directly to Jerusalem and show your skin to the priest's to get cleared by them. That's all he says. The Old Testament gave a law, Leviticus 14, when a leper was thought to be cured. There was a process the leper had to go through according to the law. A process of examination. So Jesus is upholding the law. You need to go and be examined by the priest. It took about a week. There were sacrifices and offerings made as part of that whole process. Shaving off hair and Shaving off eyebrows and the priest getting an absolute clear uh, proof that you were indeed free of leprosy. So Jesus wants to uphold the law here. I think that's what's going on. Um, And that's why he sends the man. But he doesn't say why this man is not allowed to tell anybody. And the man, so stoked about his new baby skin, I can imagine. I mean, wouldn't you just tell everybody? Uh... It's me, leper guy, unclean guy. Jesus has healed me. How could you not? I don't know. I think he was disobedient, but you can understand that he just, he just tells everybody. Okay, so fourth heading, uh, what is Jesus' plight as a result? And this is where Mark is going with this. What happens is, verse 45, uh, the guy goes freely talking and spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. He couldn't even go into a town openly now. Josephus says there are about 240 villages in Galilee, and Jesus really wanted to go to all of those villages. That's the implication I get from verses 38 and 39 of chapter 1. Let us go to the other villages and preach there also. He wants to go everywhere. Um, That's what he wanted to do. But there's just so much hysteria now that he can't do that. By chapter 7, verse 36, the whole thing just reaches this fever pitch. Everywhere he goes, crowds are crushing him. He has to escape that. He's off in the wilderness on his own. Or out by the Sea of Galilee, sometimes he even will get into a boat when the crowds are so pushing in on him that he can't even teach them. He gets in a boat, floats off a bit so he can teach them. The enthusiasm for Jesus has reached fever pitch because of this man spreading this news. And it's all about the healing. You know, people want the healing. And his popularity is exploding. In fact, in chapter 2, verse 1, When he does come back to Capernaum, his home, several days after this, the people hear he's come home and they gather in such large numbers that there's no room left, not even outside of the door. And so this story of this paralysed man who has to be lowered through the roof, such are the crowds. He's just crushed wherever he goes. And all they all wanted was the healing, the healing, the healing. And Jesus says, we don't need any of that kind of promotion. We don't need any more of that kind of publicity. So just go and show yourself to the priests. Don't spread this. And this is one reason Jesus' Galilean ministry became so difficult for Jesus. The other reason is the growing opposition of the leaders of Israel. It just became so hard for Jesus. His ministry ground down. As a result, it meant that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. Such was his popularity, and he had to stay in unpopulated areas. Drop down to chapter 2, verse 13. Once again, he went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. Chapter 3, verse 7. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. And when they heard all that he was doing, many people came from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, the region across the Jordan, and around Tyre and Sidon to the north. All of Israel now comes to him. This is already just chapter three of Mark. And this is where Jesus has to get into a boat to even teach them. And if this leper had obeyed Jesus, it might have at least slowed the crush. It might have allowed Jesus to enter towns that he wasn't now able to. And maybe heal people who weren't able to come to him. Some of the severest diseases are those that keep people from travelling. And maybe Jesus would have been able to heal those people, but he can't. He can't go into those towns. He can't even get to them. And anyway, the story ends with the second half of verse 45. Jesus stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. They're coming to him from everywhere. I love it, chapter 6, where so many people were coming and going, they couldn't even eat. And Jesus says, let's get across the lake. He goes across the lake and 5,000 men are already there. It is just insane. And now he's out only in lonely places and cannot enter the town openly. What does that sound like? And they're coming out to him from everywhere, to the mountains, to the hills, to the valleys, to the lake, to the fields. Massive crowds. So what is happening here is that Jesus changes places with the leper. The leper started in the wilderness in isolation and after meeting Jesus was able to mingle in the town. Whereas Jesus started in the town and after meeting the leper was isolated to the wilderness. Jesus trades places with the leper. And that's a foreshadowing of the cross. We are the spiritual lepers who lived in shame and isolation and alienation from God. We met Jesus and we were cleansed, set free and brought into the very presence of God. But the only way that Jesus could take us out of isolation and bring us to the presence of God was that he left the presence of God and went into isolation. That's what happened on the cross. Because on the cross, Jesus was forsaken. Jesus was treated like an outcast, like a zombie, like a leper. And we are accepted and welcomed into the innermost place of God's presence because he did that.